If you would, take your copy of God's Word and open to Psalm 1. The new year has, has motivated our message this morning as I would like for you to make a consideration on this new year. Something interesting about 2017, I don't know if you've known it, but 2017 starts on a Sunday and it ends on a Sunday. So that means you all get an extra sermon this year. Um, no, we have 53, we have 53 Sundays this year and, uh, it happens every once in a while, only three times in the century on leap year, I learned. But, uh, <laughs> but I thought that was, was kind of interesting. We have a, a year in itself to, to think about that, a, a year that starts with worship and ends with worship. And I hope that you'll take advantage of that. I hope that you will make that a priority this year and there's many things that maybe you've been thinking about with the start of a new year. It's, it's often a time of, of reflection and of introspection. It's a time that we begin to set uh, new goals, new achievements. That's right. New Year's resolutions. Okay? And, uh, and you're all looking at me. I'm putting the pressure on now, right? But you've been doing it. I know you have. If you, if you haven't, uh, the, the TV has reminded you that you need to. Um, you know, maybe this year for 2017, you are considering financial goals. Maybe for 2017, there are relationship goals that you're considering. Perhaps personal enrichment goals. You want to learn a new language or uh, take up a new hobby. Perhaps even, of course, we know, health goals. Lose weight, get fit, do different things. For the last week, the television has changed on its commercial from the hottest new toy to the hottest new workout program or gadget that guarantees to, to get you beach ready, okay? I go to the beach like this. They're just, they're fooling you. I go to play Linda where there's not many people, but... Uh, but you've seen it, right? I mean, everything comes out the week before uh, for fitness, all the weirdest, craziest contraptions. Um, you know, you, you start with like 10-minute abs and you end up with like six-minute abs because everybody's got to do it better and faster. Um, you know, the rollers, the weight machines, the walkers, the climbers, everything. And maybe you've bought a new piece of exercise equipment. They say this is the time to do it if you're going to. Everybody needs extra place for, for clothes to hang come February, right? <laughs> Nothing like a treadmill to hang your laundry on. They work great. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I would like to encourage you this year to think about your relationship with the Lord. January is a good time. The first of the year is a good time for us to set new goals. It's a good time to set the, the pace and the tone for the new year. And so this morning, I, I wore my bow tie. I, I wanted to have like a cheesy polyester suit and like old power tie, like a used car salesman, okay? Because I want to sell you this morning on a program of spiritual enrichment. I want to I sell you on the best you for 2017 and beyond. How about that? Okay, can I, can I do that? I, I, we could have like a, an advertisement and, you know. You, have you ever noticed on those TV ads though, like they do the dumbest things, like they're walking and oh, and they spill, like, watch it sometime and watch how silly the people look. You, nobody, nobody acts that silly. But I want this year for you to consider the Word of God in your life. How you think about it, how you take it in. 
And I want you to think about what the results of that would be if you disciplined yourself to make the Word of God a serious part of 2017 and beyond. And we're going to look from Scripture at a text that actually says, Blessed is the man who delights in the Word of God, who meditates upon the Word of God. God tells us that if we make this a priority in our life to commune with Him, to learn His wisdom, to spend time with Him, to think about His Word, to put His Word into our life, that it will give us a blessed 2017 and beyond. Does that sound good? Am I selling you? Is this a program that you'd buy into? Best of all, you've already got the tools, okay? There's no $29.95, six, six payments of $29.95. I like when they break down the payments. It's like $29.95 till you die. Um, they don't tell you what the full price is. You're doing math going, oh my. That's, that's an expensive place to hang my clothes. But really, I want you to consider and think about this morning the Word of God in your life. And some of you are diligent at the Bible. Some of you know the Bible very well. I'm not trying to condemn anyone. I just want all of us to think and to consider how could we make the Word of God, spending time with God, more of a priority in our life and to look at the benefits that come with that. To look at the benefits that come with that. So if you have Psalm 1, look with me. And I'm going to read for you here. Psalm 1, beginning in verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. They are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for another year. We thank you, Father, for every day, but it seems at this time when a new year comes, we put into perspective the things of our life. I pray, Father, this morning you would help us to consider spiritual enrichment this year. That you would help us to consider how we may be uh, better disciples, how we may grow in our faith. Father, that this morning you would give me the words that would be carried out through your Holy Spirit that could transform lives. Father, that we would have a passion reignited for your word and that we would understand the value of your word in our life. Father, I pray that you would speak to each of us. In Christ's name, we all pray. Amen. This psalm shows us that if we live a life that honors God, if we live a life that seeks to please God, 
that it brings blessing. It, it begins, blessed is the man. It, it brings us the things only God can satisfy us with. Uh, your, your relationships, they could be great. You know, you could work on them this year. They could be great, but they're still going to be with other sinners. There's going to be struggles. Your personal finances, you could work on that this year and might get well ahead. In the end, all the commas in your bank account don't follow you. You could get nice and fit. You're still going to age. Your body will still fail because we are sinners. All these things are not bad things, but there is one lasting thing that I want to propose to you this morning, and that is that you would delight and meditate upon the Word of God this year, that you would make that a priority in your life this year, and that is something that will bless you eternally. It is of greatest matter, of greatest priority. I'm trying to elevate this because I want us in, in, in the midst of all the other things that we might be thinking through and improvements that we want to do. And I want us to see the result of what a life dedicated to the Lord and fellowshipping with Him and listening to His Word, what it is, the blessing that it brings. And it's something that even if you feel right now, the Lord has blessed me, I love Him, I love His Word, you can, you can still go deeper, can't you? Isn't that amazing? The Spirit will still continue to teach you new things. The more you commune with God, the sweeter your fellowship and your relationship is with Him. Perhaps in the past you have and you've slipped away and you're thinking, I would like that again. Well, let's do it. Let's do it. So let's look at this. Let's, let's break down Psalm 1 quickly and look at this life that is blessed. What, what does it mean? Look at this life that is blessed. Uh, the, it begins and says, blessed is the man. And, and, and this could be translated from, from the Hebrew literally, um, happy, how truly happy, how, how fulfilled, how joyful. This is a man in whom there is satisfaction in his soul. He is grounded, he is founded, there is a firmness, there is a, a root that goes deep. And so when the winds blow, the tree stays up. When the storms come, the tree stands still because there is a, a firm foundation, there is a, 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 a satisfaction in his soul. Blessed is the man. I want to be like that. Don't you want to be like that? Because there are storms. There will be storms. Perhaps right now is a season of a storm in your life. Either you're in one or you're going to be. It's the way it works. Are you ready? Have you put your root deep? How do you do that? Well, there's essentially two steps in this program that I want to present you with. There's, there's two steps. There is, uh, uh, there is first living for God, and then there is second seeking to know God and His Word. Seeking to live for God and to know God in His Word. And so, so let's look at this. Let's think about this looking at Psalm 1. First, true happiness, true blessedness in 2017 and beyond is not found in a life that leaves out God. It is not found in a life that leaves out God. If you want to be truly blessed by God, don't leave him out of your life. Sounds simple, right? I mean, sounds pretty logical. 
And so there's three ways here in this text that we see that it's possible that we can leave God out of our life. The first is, it says that we leave God out of our life when we walk in the counsel of the wicked. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Now, the the wicked here, um, I think the King James says the, the counsel of the ungodly. This is essentially the person who doesn't live a life based upon God's word. This is the person who lives their life according to the world and its wisdom that disregards the things that God says. Now, how do we do this? First question is, how do you think of the Bible? Is it God's word? Is it truth? Is it true? Is it worthy to be followed completely? Is it right? Always. Those are some pretty simple questions. But those will reveal in your heart truly whether or not you are following the wisdom of the world or the wisdom of God given through his word. There are many things that distract us to try to listen to the the wisdom of the world, to not listen to the wisdom of God, to not put his word as the foundation in our life, as our counsel, when we have questions, when we need to know things. In fact, so often what happens is we, if we're honest about it, we, we look at the Bible briefly And we say, eh, what's Google say, right? And we go to the wisdom of the world. We mix the two, and we end up with these weird things that aren't really biblical, but kind of maybe skate around the edge. And if you really think about it, our motivations are wrong. Blessed is the man who seeks not worldly wisdom, but seeks the word of God as the foundation for his life. Second way we can leave out God, it says it's by standing in the path of sinners, by standing in the path of sinners. And now this word in in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, it means to miss the mark. You might have heard that before. And so the idea is, is the, the, an individual that, that knows a, a direction, it, it has an aim, it has a target. And not just by accident, but intentionally veers from that target. Does not take it seriously. This is the idea of, of conscious, active sinning, especially when you know what is right. You know what God's Word says. You know what God asks of us. And you say, eh. This seems more desirable. This seems better over here. That is a way to leave God out of your life. Friends, there are many individuals that I know, perhaps you know, perhaps would describe you, that want to see God's blessing in your life, and yet you're tortured because you continue to live a life of sin. Because you continue to know that God says, I shouldn't do these things. This shouldn't be a part of my life. This shouldn't be my desire. And yet, when the rubber hits the road, you don't want to act and take those things away. You don't want to act differently because you find pleasure in this sin. Disobedience in your life 
against the Word of God, it will not bring a life of blessing. It will bring a life of torment. Why? Because the Bible talks about God as being a loving Father. If He's your Father and you know Him and the Holy Spirit's in you and He doesn't want you to be involved in this sin, you will continually be reminded by it. You will continually be awakened by it. He is like a good Father. A good Father that disciplines and says, no, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing this. And eventually, hopefully, one day, we awaken our eyes, the Spirit empowers us, and we say, I will not do this. I will instead, I will no longer walk with the sinners, but I will follow the path of righteousness. Are you, are you with me? The third thing, the third way that we leave out God that this says is by sitting in the seat of scoffers. By sitting in the seat of scoffers. Now, this is very interesting. The scoffer is the individual that rejects God. Not only rejects God, but mocks God. Mocks Christianity. Mocks your faith. Mocks God's existence. That's the scoffer. Don't sit with the scoffer. The the idea of sitting means that you get down and you get comfortable You kick up the recliner, right? And you're just hanging out. There's no resistance. You are with them. You are part of them. There are many in this world who have a lot of intelligence. And their learning has pulled them so far away from God that they no longer acknowledge Him. In fact, they sit around and they make theories alternatively, to try and explain the things which God has made plain in His Word. They are scoffers. Does that make sense? The philosophers of the day, many in which write big papers and have letters behind their name. I, had, I, I pastored a church outside of Detroit and we had, we had some sweet black ladies, older black ladies, and man, they wouldn't talk much, but when they did, oh, I loved it. It cracked me up. And, uh, and in one of these cases, I was explaining something like this, and the lady speaks up, and she goes, she goes, son, that's no more than an educated fool. <laughs> and it's true. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Don't get comfortable with the scoffers. Don't get comfortable with the scoffers. Parents, grandparents, church in general, we need to be very careful about where we send children. I'm not saying only send them to Christian schools. Listen, some of the Christian schools are filled with scoffers today. As, as bad as it sounds, it's true. But we, we can't, we can't not educate our children in Scripture, in the truth of God, and send them to a university full of scoffers and expect them not to come out and sit with the scoffers. And that's what many have done. And we pray in those situations that the Lord would awaken their hearts, that He would awaken the truth, and that He would call them back to His truth. But we have to be careful 
not to sit in the seat of scoffers. Notice this real quick. Notice this progression. I find this very, very interesting in Psalm 1 here. Nobody one day is walking with the Lord and says, forget that. Nobody has a healthy, good relationship with the Lord and then one day says, I'm going to go live in sin. Nobody loves the Lord, worships Him, praises Him, loves Him in their life, and then, and then turns around the next day and goes, oh, that's a joke. There is a progression that happens in the individual's life. The psalmist recognizes this. Look, first, first you're, you're with the Lord, and then you start to kind of walk away. With, and then you're standing with those who are in sin, and then you're sitting passively with the scoffers. Notice also, you, you begin and you, you kind of hang out with the wicked a little bit. You get a little bit of the, the wisdom. It doesn't seem completely false, but it just it, it takes you a little bit from the Bible and says, hey, let's add to this. Maybe that's not that true. And then the next thing you know, your life has active sin and rejection in it. And then you yourself end up being a scoffer. Do you see this progression? Or, or look at this. First, you, you listen to the counsel. You go and, and, and maybe hear some words, and then you're in their path. You're, you're walking with them, with the sinners. And then you're seated with the scoffers. Do you see this progression? Are you somewhere in this, in your life right now? Are you, do you have sin in your life where you can say, I'm, I'm, I'm going down this path. I need to turn back and make the Lord a priority in my life. There's two things that we can take from this, this negative way of, of how to leave God out of your life. The first is you need to guard your mind. You need to guard what comes into your mind, what wisdom you take, what truth you take. Just because it's on the internet doesn't mean it's true. Okay, Abraham Lincoln told me. <laughs> it was on a blog. You need to guard your mind. You need to guard what comes in. Is it godly? Is it good for you? Is it good for your soul? Does this build me up in the Lord? Or does it lead me away? The second thing is you need to guard your friends. You need to guard those who have a, 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 such a close relationship with you. I'm not saying write off anybody who's not a Christian. But I'm saying where do you, where do you go for that comfort when you're hurt, when you're vulnerable, when you're weak? Are you going to godly people that can build you up in the word of the Lord? Or do you go at the moment of your weakness and your doubt and your fears and sit with a scoffer? We need to be careful about that. This text reveals that. We need to guard our minds and guard our friends. But negative, negative is, is not enough in itself to give true happiness. This is don't do these things. That's not enough. And, and maybe some of us have that kind of a, a, a righteousness, a passive righteousness, and you would say, well, pastor, I don't do any of those things. Nobody talks like that, by the way, so I'm not making fun of anybody. If you think I'm saying you, it's not. Um, I don't do any of those things. I don't have any of those friends. I must be good. Well, that's a good start. But the question is that there's more than just an avoidance here in this psalm to have a blessed life. And that is the second thing I want us to see, that true happiness is found in a life that is built on God and His Word. That is built on God and His Word. So you might say, I don't do any of those things. I don't have those friends. I don't do those things. But how many of us would say, I truly, in the depth of my soul, 
delight on the word of God and enjoy meditating upon it. Can you say that? There's, there's lots of people that don't do the bad things, yet don't really have a desire for God at all. It's legalism. It's a disease. It says, I'm good enough because I don't do this. I'm good enough. But I don't really have a passion for Jesus. I don't really want to know God's word. I just don't want to do those, those bad things. That's not enough. It's not enough. Look at this with me. We, we see here as we, as we progress looking at Psalm 1 that there is a responsibility to delight in and meditate on the, the word of God and that there is a, uh, a result that happens in our life if we do this. There is a responsibility and a result. So if you begin looking here, it says, uh, verse 2, The blessed man, he, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on it he meditates day and night. His delight. Now, let me open up this word delight for you. This word delight is used two times in the Old Testament. The same Hebrew word is used two times in the Old Testament to talk about a young man who delights in a young woman. Does that open up the word for you? Okay? When you were younger and you were dating your wife, you would do some crazy things because you delighted in her so much, right? Uh, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. phone calls. Okay? You remember this? Maybe perhaps you had a relationship with some distance in between and you drove back and forth ridiculously late at night. You didn't sleep. You, you got up, you know, on two hours of sleep to go to work for the day. That's the way a young man delights in a young woman in whom he is attracted to, isn't it? Do we have that kind of a delight for the law of the Lord, for God's word? Does it truly satisfy our soul? Do we have a hunger and a thirst for the Word of God? And, and, and many of you are probably saying, I do, I know I do, but man, I'm not, I'm not acting on it. That's what I want to encourage you to do this morning, is to build your life on the Word of God, to delight in it continually, day and night, to meditate upon it. And, and so... So we see that he delights on the law of the Lord. You know, think about it this way. Have you ever heard somebody say that the Bible is God's love letter to you? Right? In many ways it is. God has revealed himself through his word that we may know who he is, that we may know and enjoy his promises and his blessings. The God of the universe Okay, go out on a clear night. Last night was gorgeous. You know, there was lots of and smoke, but when the smoke would go down, it was so clear and so gorgeous out. Go out and look at the heavens. Think about the one who created all of these things. Go and look at the smallness. You know, the Bible talks about observe the ant. It has a full body biological system in an ant. God made that. How amazing is he? 
How truly amazing is he? He he sustains all things by his hands. Not only did he create it, but he keeps it beautiful and he keeps it working and he keeps it together. He did all of this. Now that's truly a word that we use wrongly so often, but that's truly awesome. That inspires awe, does it not? That is the one who has spoken to you because he loves you. And he wants what's best for you in your life. He wants you to live for him because he knows that it is for your good. He knows that I created you, that you would live for me, that you would serve me. Because when you do those things, your fullness is found. Your fulfillment is found. You're blessed. Your soul is satisfied. That's what we approach when we read the Word of God. How many of you are excited right now to go home and read the Bible? Okay? If you are, then I'm doing what I set out to do. To, to, to elicit a, a passion in your soul for the Word of God this year. That you might know him more, love him more, grow in him more, and see him work in your life. That's what I'm hoping that 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 we can accomplish here by thinking about the word of God in our life. Not only are they, are they happy and delight in the word of the Lord, but it says that they meditate upon the word of the Lord. There's lots of ways that you can do this. Medi- Christian meditation is not Eastern meditation. It is not sit down and empty your mind and think on nothing. Okay, I get bored really fast with nothing, with nothing to do. I, we, we traveled this past week, and I told Krista, I said, before we go, I said, ask your mom if there's something I can do when we get there. Okay, I replaced, I replaced drawer slides. Because if I just sit with nothing to do, I get bored really quick. Meditate on the, the word of the Lord doesn't mean to, to empty yourself. It means to focus on God's word. Okay, and we've got to be careful about this. Because I'm going to propose to you here in a minute for you to get a plan to read God's word this year. And what happens when we have a plan to read God's Word? It always happens about the time we hit Leviticus. We just read and we check it off. It's not just the act of reading the Word of God. It's the act of trying to put the Word of God in you. How best do you do that? We're, we're all different. Maybe you're someone who does Scripture memory. And that's a great thing. And maybe just chewing on Scripture like that and, and memorizing a section, that's good. I, I've explained it like this. I don't know if I've done it from the pulpit, but I know I wrote an article that we, that we did. And, and, and the Word of God, we need to take it in two ways. One way is the speedboat approach, okay? You get on a speedboat and you're going as fast as you can, and you see the whole lake very quickly, Okay? That's one way that we read the Word of God. We take it in large chunks and we try to get an idea of, of what God is doing in Genesis and how that points to Jesus and, and how all of these things put together and the, the history and the way that, that God worked through Israel now works through the church. We put all of those things together and we can look at it from a broad way when we read quickly and we read through all of Scripture. But sometimes we need a glass bottom kayak, right? A slow pace. 
where we can paddle along slowly, you can look through, and you can meditate upon it. Meditating is to reading the Scripture what chewing is to eating. I've heard that before. Okay? Don't just swallow, don't just swallow something like when you feed it to a dog. Okay? <laughs> I've seen my kids throw the dog a whole hot dog, and somehow it just... <laughs> <laughs> But take it like a nice piece of steak that you cut up and you chew and you savor as you eat it. That's how we meditate upon the word of the Lord. There is something there and we are chewing, digesting, thinking about, Lord, how does this apply to my life? Ask questions to the word of God. Am I doing this? Do I understand this? Where else do I read this? How do I do this better? How do I help others? with this. That is how we meditate on the Word of God. And so if we do this, there is a result in verse 3 that we see. The psalmist says that the one who delights in the Word of God is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. Its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Who would like your life described like that? Okay? I would. Man, you read, about, you read about Joseph in the Old Testament, it says that the Lord was with him in everything that he did. The Lord was with him in everything that he did. Now, do you think Joseph went around saying, the Lord's going to be with me if I do this? No, he probably felt like us. He probably felt like he failed a lot. He went through a lot of challenges. He went through a lot of things. But he was faithful throughout his life. And the Lord blessed him. That's how I want my life to be. That's what I would like to see. It's to grow in the Lord and to honor Him and to be a disciple and have His hand of favor upon me. To have a life that honors Him and glorifies Him. That I would be called like this, like a tree planted by streams of water. Notice this is a cultivated tree. This is a tree that is intentionally put in the right place, in the right scenario, at the right circumstance, so that it can grow and be fruitful. It is cared for. It is pruned. It is, it is weeded. You know, when the vines come up on it, they, they pull it off. That's the kind of tree that is pictured here. Notice also in verse 5 the difference. There is a comparison here. There is the tree that is cultivated, the, the one that, that puts the, the individual that doesn't leave God out of his life, that puts the Word of God in his life. He is like this tree that is planted, that is cultivated, that is beautiful, that is in the perfect condition and is a life that is blessed. But in verse 5, verse 4, there is another comparison. It is of the wicked. It is of those who sit and stand and, and sit. Walk and stand and sit with wickedness. Those who walk away from the Lord. Those who do not delight in the Lord. Those who are scoffers. Their way, it says, are like the chaff that the wind drives away. The chaff was the, the trash when they harvested the grain. It was the part that they, they beat so that it would disappear because it had no value. It had no worth. It, it is not nutritional. It can't be used for anything. It was driven away and good riddance. Because we don't have to deal with it. 
You read on, it says, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. There is a bigger truth that's going on here. There's a truth that points to salvation. Do we trust in the Lord? Have we trusted in Him? Have we trusted in Jesus, His salvation for us? We just celebrated Christ for Christmas. Do we trust in that? We, we emphasized here through the series on the songs that, that Christ is God's salvation for us. Have you trusted in that? Is your trust firmly found in Christ? If it is, our lives should reflect that. Don't be counted with the wicked. You don't have to be. Trust in God. Seek to make Him and His Word the foundation of your life. Seek to make His Word the foundation of your life. Now, you might argue, yeah, but it sure doesn't look like the wicked aren't blessed. It sure doesn't look like those who don't trust in the Lord are not blessed. They have better homes than me. Many of them have better lives, it would seem, than me. They have money. They have prestige. Why does the wicked prosper? David will write in the Psalms. We've all been there. Don't, don't look all high and mighty to me. We've all prayed that prayer. God, why are they doing so well when I'm, trying, I'm over here trying to serve you? And why do they look so well? This is from God's perspective. This blessedness, this blessed life is when God looks down upon your life, when He judges. He is the one that says, your life is like a tree planted by the water. You have taken in my word. You have loved me. You have tried to seek to to know me and to make me known and to glorify me in your life. You, however, are like the chaff. The Lord is the one who judges. This is from His perspective. Look at verse 5 or 6. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. You're not going to fool them by pretending to be righteous. He knows not only our actions, but the meditations of our heart. And so let me ask you, do you delight in the Lord? Do you delight in His Word? Do you want to? Do you want to? I pray that you do. I pray that you do. Now, as we close, I've I got to seal the deal here, okay? I want you each, in weight of this, to think and, and to pray and to give some serious time and say, Lord, I, how can I make the Word of God more a part of my life? And I honestly don't care exactly how you do that as long as you do it. But I do have a number of different Bible reading plans here that I'm going to put on the the front pew. And we will link to them through Facebook and send an email out. I'll do anything that I can. I'll come hold the Bible for you so you read it if you need me to. No, I won't do that. Somebody's going to call and ask. But I want you to make an an emphasis, to make a plan. Don't walk away today and go, man, this 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 is heavy. This is big. I need to be doing this. And then walk away. Don't take action on it and forget about it. We're going to have an opportunity here in a moment that I want you to pray and I want you to say, Lord, I want to dedicate this year to your word. And maybe for you, it means I'm going to read through the New Testament this year. Maybe it's I'm going to read through one book 
and just really, really chew on it. Maybe it's, I want to read through the whole Bible six times, okay? There are some overachievers out there. However it is, I, I, just, I want you to make that commitment. I want you to make the Word of God a priority in your life. But not just, not just checking off boxes, but in a way that you can meditate and chew upon it, that you can make it a part of your life. I mean, I've got a, a five-day Bible reading program. You get the weekends off with this one. This is like five-minute abs. Um, this is uh, every day. That's you know, seven-minute abs. Here's one that uh, you take the weekends off for meditation. Or, or no, you, you only read one on the weekend. Okay, this is what? Six-minute abs, okay? <laughs> uh, uh, chronologically, uh, the, here's one you read uh, epistle, law, history, psalm, poetry, prophecy, gospel throughout the week, one each week. However, and, and maybe you need just a jolt. Maybe you've done this Bible reading the same way every year. And maybe you need a jolt. Maybe you need to read it in a different format. Uh, a couple of years ago, I read chronologically through the Bible, and it was very fascinating. I don't care how you do it. But I want to encourage you. I want to sell you this morning on 2017 being a blessed year because you are dedicating your life, dedicating your life for living for God and for meditating, for delighting in His Word. That's what I want to encourage you to do. We're going to close. We're going to have a time of invitation. And I want to make two Two things for you to respond to. First of all, if you are not a believer, now is the time to get right with the Lord. Now is the time to remove yourself from walking with, sitting with, hanging out with those who reject the Lord, from being part of that crowd and turn and come to the Lord. Come to Him and ask Him for salvation. I want to invite you, if the Lord's speaking to you, you to do that, that you would come forward during this time. I could speak with you. You got a lot of questions. We can hang out after the service. Whatever I can do to help you with that, I would like to offer that. I would like for you to respond to the Lord secondly. I hope all of us are feeling the nudge of the Holy Spirit to do something about having a plan to make the Word of God part of our lives. And so as we sing, take a moment and pray. Maybe you know exactly right now Maybe it's something you've done in the past. Maybe it's something you've heard. Maybe it's something the Lord has been putting in your heart. And right now you're just ready to say, I'm going to do this this year. Perhaps it's just, I'm going to do something. Come up, look through the plans, get a plan, search online, do whatever you need to do. Call me up to come hold the Bible. I don't, you know. But respond to the Lord. Don't, Don't leave today and go, man, that was the best sermon of 2017. And forget about it on Tuesday. I don't even care if you remember the words I said, but I want you to walk away from here with a passion and a dedication to the Lord to make His Word a part of your life this year.